incredible things can happen as we come around God's word. No. Yes? Not sure, are we? I mean, people can get engaged right in the middle of God's word, like they did a couple of weeks ago. Um, if you were here last week, um, my dad was speaking, and uh, my dad is a conjurer, so he likes to do little tricks. Um, at the end of his sermon, he did a little trick uh, where basically he passed out. Um, who, who was here last week and witnessed my dad passing out? Apparently, Martin um, came to the front here. Um, dad said, I think we need to finish now. Let's pray. Um, then passed out on the lectern. And uh, Martin thought he was just having a holy moment. Um, but he had just um, passed out. Now, it was interesting because uh, when I saw Dad um, Monday morning. I went and picked him up from the hospital Sunday, and he's absolutely fine. And I'm sure next time Dad speaks, he'll just share a little bit about um, that experience and, in fact, some of the things that God was speaking to him. Because when I went Monday morning to help him with Sunday, this was the thing that he said. Gareth, I've been praying about what happened yesterday. That's a real encouragement to me and a real challenge. That something pretty major happens, I mean, he passes out at the end of a sermon, and his response on Monday morning is to say, God, what was that all about? You see, my dad understands that things can be connected. And uh, with what happened on Sunday, there was a sense of, God, is there anything that you want to speak to me about in terms of what happened Yesterday And today we're going to talk about connections. Somebody said that wisdom is the understanding that everything is connected. Now we're in a series where we're talking about freedom. That Jesus, he wants you guys to live in freedom. He doesn't want you to be minimized. He doesn't want you to be restricted. He doesn't want you to be oppressed or depressed or, or any of those things that can come upon us that cause negativity. But he wants you to be free. That's his plan and purpose for you. And we can get excited about that. It's good, isn't it? Now, this morning what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about a massive, massive connection. Okay, that if we, if we want to understand this thing of living in freedom, we've got to understand a connection, a very important connection. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Um, and I'm going to read a few verses from there in a moment that really speak of this connection. But before we do, let's talk a little bit about creation. Now, when God, if you've got your handouts this morning, as I normally say, good luck, okay? Um, stick in there, try and fill it in as we go through. When God created, okay, he created stuff that can be seen and he also created stuff that cannot be seen. So, we can see each other, that's a good thing. We have a part of us that is seen. It's called our body, okay? Um, he created other stuff that we can see, um, the land, the sea, um, the sky, all that sort of stuff. Now, what's interesting, I said this a couple of weeks ago, what's interesting in Genesis, okay, 
is that when God created animals, he spoke, first of all, to the water, and he said, let there be fishes. And there were fishes. When he created stuff that, you know, mammals and stuff that creeps and crawls on on, on the land, he spoke to the land, and he said, you know, from the land, let there come animals, okay? But when he created you, when he created man, he didn't speak to the sea, he didn't speak to the land, but he spoke to himself. That's really powerful. But God said this, let us make man in our own image. Um, later on in Genesis, um, when it's kind of putting a different angle on the creation story, it says that God, he breathed into man. Okay? So when God made you, he made stuff that you can see. How many people are thankful for their body? Woohoo! Our bodies are good. Okay. But we also have stuff that God made that is unseen. Okay? That is the soul, and that is the... You can join with me if you want. Okay. That is the spirit. The soul and the spirit. Now, what is the soul and the spirit? Well, the spirit... Well, let's talk about the soul. The soul is really the, 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 the center of our will our emotions, it what's, it, it, it's what sets us apart from things that just have a body. I love my dog, he's great. And uh, this morning I was talking to my dog, and he was just thinking, you know, as a dog, I'm not really going anywhere in life. I'm a bit frustrated, I feel a bit down today. I feel really bad about, you know, shouting at that person yesterday. This is what, no, of course, my dog wasn't saying these things because my dog does not have a soul. You are unique and you are special because God put within you something where you can reflect upon yourself, okay? Am I making any sense whatsoever? Good, okay. Now, there's also this amazing part of you that is called your spirit, Now, we like to think that we are body, soul, and spirit. I always say, really, we're spirit, soul, and body. Because the most important part of you is your spirit. It's the part that connects with the person that made you. So the Bible teaches us, um, Jesus had this little encounter with a man called Nicodemus. And what Jesus was trying to teach Nicodemus was this. Listen, Nicodemus, unless your spirit is alive, unless your, your spirit is born again... You will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. You, you will not have a, a, a spiritual dynamic in your life, okay? So when you believe in Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. You don't, you don't receive Jesus. What happens, correct biblical language, is you believe in Jesus. You put your trust in Jesus. And when that happens, you receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit regenerates brings to life your spirit so that now you can connect with God. Thank you, Gary. I think that's pretty cool too. Now, what we're going to talk about this morning is the connection between the seen and the unseen. So this part of you that was dead comes alive when you believe in Jesus and you receive the Holy Spirit. Now, let me ask you a question. 
In a battle, if two armies are kind of squared off against each other, where do you focus your attention? Do you focus your attention upon the dead bodies in the field, or do you focus your attention against the enemy that is living? It's a difficult question. Stick in there. You ignore, you ignore the, the, the dead bodies, and you focus on the living. Now, that's interesting, because your spirit was dead, but now it is alive if you have believed in Jesus and you have received the Holy Spirit. And I think the moment that happens, watch out. Because now the enemy, the enemy, woo, ding, 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 you are now alive. You now have potential. You are now in the sweet spot of life. Now that you placed your trust in Jesus and you're following him, the enemy gets a little bit rattled. See, some of us sort of tend to think, well, you know, the moment I become a Christian, everything's wonderful, everything's fantastic, everything is good, lovely. Uh, is there anybody's experience here who is a Christian? Is anybody here who knows that actually the moment you give your life to Jesus, it is the moment sometimes and all hell breaks loose. That we are in a battle. We are in a fight. And yes, if we fight that fight well, if we are firm, if we stand firm upon Jesus, if we put on our armor, if we do all the things that God wants us to do, we will be victorious and we will be free. But it is a fight. Yeah? Now, some people, okay, they get... They're all very sort of practical. Let me write these words. I think these are in your notes. Practical. Spelt right with a C in the middle. That'd be great. Okay. Some people are just very sort of very practical-minded. Um, I was talking about um, a guy called C.S. Lewis, who most of you have heard of. And, and he said, you know, that the two greatest dangers of the enemy is that we don't believe he exists or we see him behind every bush. Okay, so the practical person is the person who doesn't, is not really aware of this fight that is going on. They just think, you know, everything that we can see, well, that's the important stuff. They're not aware of a spiritual realm, and they don't really pray and think about that stuff. But equally, there's an opposite extreme that is, I'm going to call it the mystical. Okay, there are some Christians that I meet, you know, and they're just, whoa. It just, it just, you know, everything is, is, is about a demon or about an angel. Have you, have you met those people? And um, this week I was, um, I was driving my car and uh, I had a little scrape in my car. This little scrape wasn't too big. Uh, it was my neighbor, so that's really helping my relationship with my neighbors um, around my little community. And uh, I had to go to this neighbor and just say, I've just scraped your car. Now, to be honest, I wasn't thinking, oh, that demon made me drive into that car. Well, where was my angel today? Where was my angel? No, I'm just pants at driving. That's just <laughs> the simple explanation, okay? Now, I've heard other stories of people driving cars. I remember, do you remember that story, Dad, of Paul Weaver? One day he was driving in his car down the motorway, and Paul Weaver 
um, was heading up a national campaign that was basically um, encouraging churches to, to talk more about Jesus and get the message of Jesus out there. Paul Weaver was driving down the motorway one day. He said there was a lorry in front of him and a metal girder or some piece of metal came off the lorry in front of him, hit the road in front of him, and then bounced over his car. Now, there may be some spiritual stuff going on there. Okay? You see what I'm saying? Now, so what we've got to do here is we've got to find a balance between the sense of practical and mystical. I was going to use the word spiritual, but the word spiritual has two meanings, so that doesn't really help us. I'm going to use the word sacred. We need to understand that, that everything that we do is, is, is sacred, okay? The God is both the God who created your body, so it's important what we do with our bodies, and we're going to get onto that in a few seconds here, but also to recognize that we are in a battle and that how we engage our spirits and our souls in that battle is really, really important. So here are a few verses from 1 Corinthians 6. Verse 19. It says, Do you not know that your bodies, the seen bit of you, the tin can as I like to call it, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? That your bodies that are seen are homes to something that is unseen, who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Now, the Apostle Paul is telling us here, that actually, it's really important what we do with our bodies. Now, the example that he's given us here in 1 Corinthians 6 is the subject of sex. Welcome to the King's Church where we dodge around the controversial issues. Now basically, the Apostle Paul is saying this. Marriage is something that was created by God. It's a good thing. You know, I, I haven't met many people, I'm not sure if you've many, met many people, that their, their, their dream in life is to sleep around with as many people as possible. I've never met somebody like that. I think there's something within us that says, do you know what? I would like to be with a person for the rest of my life. That is, that is marriage. That when God made us, he made this amazing, wonderful, mystical, sometimes frustrating thing called marriage. Just talk to my wife and she will tell you, sometimes marriage is frustrating. But it's amazing and it's wonderful. It's a, it's a, a connection between a man and a woman for the rest of your lives. That is God's sweet spot for your life. Now here, in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul is saying, if you take your body and you are promiscuous with your body, you sleep around with other people that's not in the covering of marriage. We talked about covering a couple of weeks ago. If you weren't here two weeks ago, you've got to go back on the on the website and listen to the talk on covering. If you are sleeping around and it's not under that covering of marriage, a man and a woman together for the rest of their lives, then you are damaging and you are hurting your spirit. 
gone very quiet now. It's gone very, very quiet now. Why? Because you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. But all this stuff is important. There is a connection between what you do with your body and the amount of freedom that you will live in. That if you are taking your body and you are doing ungodly things with your body, the enemy will come and he will restrict you and he will place bondages on your life. It's okay. Don't worry. Because Jesus is able to set us free. Yeah? If we go back to sermon number one in this series, there was a man, he had 3,000, 4,000 demons living in him. He came to Jesus, and in a moment, Jesus set him free. So you may be thinking, oh my goodness, I'm not going to look at Gareth right now. I know these issues in my life. Can I just say, God loves you. He's got a plan for you. That just as the enemy wants to restrict you, God, who is bigger, God isn't the opposite of the devil. We realize that, don't we? Yeah? The Bible tells us that he is holy. That word holy, it means other. So it's not like, you know, the devil is bad and God is good. No, God is in a class all of, all of his own. And he is strong and he is mighty. And it doesn't matter how messed you up this morning. And let's face it, we are all messed up to a certain extent. It doesn't matter how broken you are today. It doesn't matter how much stuff is going on and how much damage there is in your spirit. God can come and Jesus can set you free. Isn't that good? So, there's this connection between what we do with our body and the amount of freedom that we live in in our spirit. That is one example. I want to give you another example, okay? Just, just if you want, you can turn to Genesis 27. I'm not going to read it. We haven't got time this morning. Oh, my goodness. Miracles with the time there. Time, be still. Um, it's not quite sun be still, is it? But, you know. Um, okay. Genesis 27. Connection between the seen and the unseen. Between the body and the spirit. In Genesis 27, it's a story of sibling rivalry. Okay? It's the story of Jacob and Esau. Now, Jacob and Esau were having this little bit of a wrestling match over who would receive... The blessing. The blessing was a moment where they went to their father Isaac, and Isaac would speak words, okay? That the patriarch, the father, would speak words over the child, and then something supernatural would happen. And because they understood this, there was a little bit of a wrestling match between who would receive. The blessing. Esau should have received the blessing as the older son, but Jacob being the twister and the deceiver that he was, he weaseled in there and he received the blessing. Now, okay, here we have the seen and we have the unseen. Let me see if my, my drawing can facilitate this. Okay? I think, I, I think I've done it. There's a doorway. Is that good? Yeah? We like that? There is a doorway between the unseen and the seen. What is it? Actually, there's three of them. There's actually an exit and there's an entrance.
The entrance into your soul and spirit are your eyes and your ears. The exit point from your spirit is what? Your mouth. So we're talking here about the connection between the seen and the unseen. So here are two brothers, okay? One man, out of his soul and spirit, he is exiting words. Supernatural forces are coming upon those words. God is getting involved in those words and they are entering through the ears of Jacob and Esau. They are entering into their spirit. Um, let me talk for a moment. <laughs> you all look totally bamboozled. I'll carry on. Um, I want to talk for a moment about blessing and curses. What is a blessing and a curse? When we think of curses, we get all mystical about it. Oh, it's witches with a cauldron and spells and things coming out of, you know, bubbling stuff. Here's a better definition of blessing and curses. A blessing and a curse is a supernatural thing that happens to us that is connected to the words that are spoken over us. Let me say that again. A blessing or a curse is something supernatural that happens to us. And and let's be aware that supernatural thing can either be a good thing or it can be a bad thing. And that's what makes it a blessing or a curse. Now, I'm just... I'm just going to throw this out there, and I don't think I've quite worked this out in my head, but here's, I'm going to go for it anyway. I think this is why the Bible talks about generational curses, okay? It's because, who, is the, who are the people that speak most over your life when you are most formative? Your parents. So if we understand blessing and curses, we understand that the words, just like Jacob and Esau, the words that are spoken over our lives can have massive supernatural effect according to whether we receive those words or not. And then in fact, the enemy, what he can do is he can get a foothold, not just into people, but he can get a foothold into whole families because from one generation to the next, words are being spoken. The words that my father used to speak over me have now become part of me and the enemy has got a foothold and now I'm actually passing it on to the next generation. I'm very quiet again. But here's the thing. God's blessing is bigger than any curse that we could ever receive. And the moment we step into Jesus, it's almost like we we step into the covering of coverings. Remember the other week where I had the umbrella, okay? So, you know, we we talked about how an umbrella protects us. So actually, when, when we were talking earlier about marriage, marriage is a covering, Okay? Family is a covering. 
Church is a covering, okay? It's like having an umbrella in our lives that, you know, if it was raining this morning, we would whack up our umbrella and we wouldn't get wet. But here's the problem. Sometimes there are holes in our umbrella. And where God has intended for marriage, for family, for church, to bring blessing, sometimes it goes wrong and sometimes some rain gets through the umbrella and we get wet. But here's the thing, that when we believe in Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit, it's like, it's like you walking to church this morning with a leaky umbrella. What's the first thing you would do when you walk in this building? You put the umbrella down. You would say, actually, I've got, a, I've got a bigger covering here. I've got a better covering here. But this building, it's great. I mean, what, what a lovely building. Might have a few leaks in the new building, but this building, fantastic. <laughs> this is a good covering. I don't, I don't need my umbrella anymore. Because I'm now in a better covering. The moment you come into Christ, all things are new. Now, you may still need to deal with the umbrella. You know, you've still got your umbrella. But the more you realize, actually, I I don't need this umbrella now. Wow, God loves me. He's for me. He blesses me. He helps me. He heals me. He brings joy in my life. The more we realize the covering that God has for us, the more we can let down our umbrella. Now, with this whole eyes, ears, and mouth thing, what is the one thing that is common to all those things? What is the thing I'm really talking about this morning? It's the power of words. The power of words. You say, well, how do you you read words? Okay, That's what you do now. You may think, oh, how, how, what, what's eyes got to do with the words? You read words. How many people know that actually an email can be far more cutting, far more destructive than a spoken word? Because it's there in black and white. Okay? So, the power of words. The power of thoughts. Dad spoke a few weeks ago about the battleground of the mind. How are you getting on in your unseen self with the thoughts that you have. Psychologists tell us that we think about 60,000 thoughts every single day. They have estimated, don't ask me how they do this, I do not know. But they have estimated that 80% of 60,000, that is a lot of words, okay? It's a lot of words are negative thoughts that we have. That shouldn't be true for those who are living under the covering of God. But the average, Joe and Mary, they, they are thinking 48,000 negative thoughts every single day. Now, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up because here's the amazing thing. What, what, what are we doing with those thoughts? How are you getting on? How, how did you get on this week with the thoughts that you had? Let me just um, read a quote to you by Charles Spurgeon. He was a bit of a dude, slightly better preacher than me. Um, he said this, Beware of no man more than yourself, because 
we carry our worst enemies within us. He's talking there about the battleground of the mind and about how we think about ourselves. How many people know that when the, the enemy comes, you get it, enemy, enemy, is it in me, yeah? When the enemy comes, you didn't get that, did you? No, it's just so bad. You're just going to look at me like, yeah, carry on. Um, when the enemy comes, he doesn't use the word you because he's, he's clever. He's got some wits about him, the enemy. What word does he use? He uses the word I. Oh, I'm so rubbish. I'm such a failure. You know, the biggest, the biggest word I hear when I meet with people, I, 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 maybe I shouldn't give the game away, but I ask, often ask this question. I say, what is the, the biggest thing that God would speak over your life right now? Do you know what the most common answer I hear to that is? Oh, I'm such a disappointment. R- really? Is that, is that how God thinks about you, that you're a disappointment? I don't think so. But the enemy comes in, and he prompts this thought of, oh, I'm just useless, I'm pants. I'm just, you know, I'm a waste of space. The other way I've... Um, Put this is everywhere you go, there you are. Everywhere you go, there you are. Some people think, oh, you know, the problems in my life is about the, the circumstances around me. Well, the thing is, when you go to another place, you are still going to have the same thoughts within you. Some of us need to change the tape. We need to change the MP3. That words have been spoken over us and they have entered through our eyes and our ears, and they have entered through the gateway into our spirit. And it's almost like, you know, the enemy will try and jump over all those things, and he will bring his restriction into our lives. I'm not a massive um, Twitter person. Who likes to twit? Yeah, a few twits here this morning, okay. Um, my understanding is when you, when you Twitter, you follow people. So on your feed, a little, a little bit like Facebook, on your feed, you are seeing people that you follow. Some of us need to change who we're following. We are not following the right thoughts, the right person. We need to plug... Anybody got a pair of earphones? Have you had a pair of earphones? Mark's got a pair of earphones. Who's got a Bible? You know, what we've got to do is we've got to take our mind, we've got to take our entrance to our spirits... And we've got to plug ourselves into the word. Yeah? This is what we've got to do. Now, the enemy... Should have really thought about that a little bit more before I did that. Now, the question is this. The enemy still might be speaking. He might be saying lots of things. But if I am plugged into the word, I've changed the MP3. I've changed who I'm following. Did, did you crack open your Bible this morning? Did you get this, this word into you? Just as our bodies need food and good food. I had a bit of junk food yesterday. It's not good for you, is it? You know that junk food is rubbish for you. You just feel rubbish. Did you get some good, healthy food into your spirits this morning? might want to wash those, Mark. Bless you. Um, okay, I'll get you a new set. Okay, last illustration. Then we're going to get into some worship. I was meeting with Adam and Zoe the other day. 
and something's happening in their lives, that they actually are engaged. Good job. Well done. They are engaged. For those who weren't aware, a couple of weeks ago, I engaged a couple of people that weren't engaged. Anyway, moving on very quickly. I was going, I, I've, got a little, I've got a little wedding book that I have, and I, was, I, I stick all the weddings in there that I do, and I was going through the vows with them, okay? And at one point, I, was re- I haven't actually done their vows yet. I was just asking them what kind of vows that you want. So I, I had um, Pancho and Kat's wedding out, and I was reading through the vows to them. I was saying, do you want to use these, these vows? And at one point, as I'm reading the vows, Pancho married Kat. <coughs> Um, no, Pancho married Zoe. It was a little bit, you know, I said, do you, Pancho, want to take Zoe? And then I realized, no, that, that, you know, there's a little thing that I do in my, that was supposed to be funny, but it's not. There's a little thing, there's, there's a little thing in Microsoft Word, okay? Have you ever, it's amazing. It's amazing, this thing in, in Microsoft Word. And I do it when I, when I go through my wedding vows. It's called find and replace. You don't know what I'm talking about. This is going to, this is going to set your lives free. Because in Microsoft Word, okay, you can, I can do a search for Pancho and I can replace it with the word Adam. That's amazing. It's, it's awesome. That's amazing. So awesome. You guys can start playing some music, okay? Because this is emotional, right? This is, you know. You can take the word cat and you can replace it with the word Zoe. And I can do that and I can be confident that every single word has been changed. Some of you this morning, you need to take some words that have been spoken over your life and they've entered into your soul and your spirit and they have brought damage. The enemy has jumped over those words and he's brought restriction. And you need to find and replace. You need to find and replace where you would say I'm a disappointment God would say you're the apple of my eye that where you would say I'm a failure God would say I don't die for failures where you would say I'm condemned this morning I'm I'm so full of filth and dirt in my soul Jesus would say you're forgiven do you know what, guys? The, the, the best thing we can do this morning, I, I, I believe this with all my heart, I honestly do. The best thing that we can do this morning is we can come under this covering of church and we can do this amazing thing that church does. And if we learn how to do it, it will not just bring freedom in our lives, but it will bring freedom in our city. Do you know what that one thing is? It's praise. It's worship. You know, recently, I think in the last sort of 20, 30 years, yes, I am that old, um, people have started to say, do you know what? You know, worship, worship is, is, is about all that we do. And in one sense, that's true. You know, when I go to work, that's worship. You know, when I serve my family, maybe cook them a meal, that's worship. And that, in one sense, that's absolutely true. But can I just point out that there is a difference between indirect worship and direct worship? 
that we are called in this covering of church to use our words that pour out of our soul and our spirit. We are called to use words to bring direct worship to God. You may say, well, Gareth, I'm, 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 not, I'm not very vocal. I'm not much of a singer. Well, I want to challenge you this morning. If you want to live in freedom, you need to learn how to worship. Because when you, when you begin to, to, to worship, wow, the freedom that it brings. Because you are focusing your attention upon God directly. And you are engaging your, your, your mind, your soul, your spirit, your body. And you are directly, together, we are saying, God, we worship you. And that freedom comes as we learn to do that. For me, I, I know my battle is I, I need to engage my mind. Sometimes I'm worshipping and I'm at the front here. And I'm, you are good, you are good. And I'm having chicken for dinner. You know, my, my mind's wandering. And I've got to engage my mind, okay? Because God tells us to worship Him and to love Him with our whole mind, our soul, our strength. Some of you, you've got to tell your bodies to get a little bit more involved in direct worship. Get your mouths involved. Get your hands involved. Get your legs involved. This morning, we're going we're gonna to worship. Can we stand together? Lord, we thank you. Lord, thank you that as we, as we worship you this morning, freedom will come. That as we lift up the name of Jesus in this place, that freedom will come. Lord, I actually think this thing is so powerful and so strong that, Lord, we don't even need to have a a ministry time this morning. And it's not because that's bad. There is a place for that, Lord. But I just feel this morning in my spirit that, Lord, as we learn to worship you, to directly to lift up your name, to pour out from our souls and our spirits just words and songs of worship, that, God, in this building this morning, people will be healed. People will be set free. People who are far from you right now, Jesus, will have an encounter with you. That Lord, if we just learn to, to use our words to worship you. Lord, you know, I think of all the rubbish that I've said this week. All the things that have come out of my mouth. Forgive me, Lord. Right now, together with my friends, with my brothers and my sisters, we can do something life-changing. We can worship you together. So Lord, we, we do that. I don't want people to do it because they feel under pressure to do it. Lord, I just want your Holy Spirit just to grab hold of our hearts right now. And that Lord, as you do that, worship will just rise up from this place.